TED Audio Collective. I'm not sure what this world would be like without nonprofits. So many provide unique solutions to some of the most pressing social issues and do so effectively. For instance, last semester, I taught a course on Rwanda and got the opportunity to visit the country with my students. The Rwandan economy is based mostly on subsistence agriculture. As a result, there are many organizations that focus on farming and farming-related commercial activities. One nonprofit we visited provides critical supplies for farmers and trains them to produce more commercially viable crops, allowing the farmers to earn more money, feed their families, and improve their lives. These types of organizations are essential but they can be slow to reach everyone. We're all aware of some nonprofits that are incredibly inefficient and could benefit from some of the systems and processes of for-profit organizations, which makes me wonder, what can be done to improve more people's lives? And how can the business world accelerate this? I'm Madhupa Akinola. This is TED Business. Our speaker today is Tolu Oyeka, a managing officer and partner at Boston Consulting Group's Lagos office. In this talk, Tolu encourages us to consider new approaches in nonprofit work that can lead to maximum impact. He also talks about how he's tackled some of the country's biggest financial struggles with a for-profit approach. Then after the talk, I'll explain how key innovations in financial technology are helping to increase financial inclusion and improve access to agriculture innovation in Africa. But first, a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. So I'd like to ask you all a question that I've pondered for these past few years. Why is it that for-profit organizations and nonprofits 
or those that work on the development space are quite different with the type of impact that they have. I mean, in theory, they should be similar, right? They both have access to super talented individuals. Should it matter that you are working on affordable housing or trying to build a multi-million dollar condo building? I don't think it should. But if I took a poll in this room and asked you all to take a guess on which of these buildings would be completed first, I am fairly certain that we'll all agree it's not the affordable housing. <laughs> right? And you may go, well, Tolo, isn't it about the money? One of these has access to more money than the other. And I think there's truth to that, but I believe it goes much deeper than that. I live in Nigeria now. Before I moved back to Nigeria, I actually spent the bulk of my career working in development markets and in the for-profit sector, right? In the for-profit sector, we are held accountable every year by investors to ensure that the benefits of the activities that we invested in throughout the year far outweigh the investments in those activities. This annual cadence of accountability required that everything that we did was striving toward increased profitability. This annual cadence of, of accountability created such a high sense of urgency in everything that we did. And so we leveraged data analytics, evidence-based tools to ensure that we're able to hit these goals fast. In, in the development sort of space where I spend the bulk of my time these days, the culture appears quite different. We don't seem to operate with the same sense of urgency. The work we are doing now is arguably more meaningful, right? We are trying to solve problems such as increasing financial access to those who currently don't have it. We're trying to solve problems that include education access, energy access. And in fact, increasingly, we are trying to address, help people who are vulnerable build resilience to climate change. These challenges are quite significant and require that we do things differently. In Africa, we have a proverb which states that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. But what happens when trying to solve a problem like increasing financial access requires that you go both fast and far? I believe that we need to do development differently. We need to include the profit motive and for-profit approaches into the way that we do development. So let me walk you through an example of how we experimented with this in Nigeria. We're trying to expand financial access in Nigeria. For those who don't know, financial access is an individual's ability to get access to insurance or loans or build savings. A lot of research has shown, in fact, that a lot of these development activities that we have require financial access as a key enabler. A key enabler. However, when you look in Africa, we are lagging behind the rest of the world in terms of financial access. In fact, in sub-Saharan Africa, only about 55% of our adults have access to financial services. A country like Nigeria, where I live, you have more adults in Nigeria that do not have access to financial services than the entire population of Canada. Think about that. More individuals in Nigeria do not have access to financial services than the entire population of Canada. Now, I mean, it, this is not for lack of trying. We have been working on this issue for a while. And I think the reason, one of the reasons the issue persists is because we are trying to solve the problem in the same way we have 
try to do it in, in, in developed markets, trying to build bank branches and ATMs everywhere. But this is so expensive and capital-intensive and time-intensive, which we cannot afford. But there's a cheaper, scalable option, agent banking. With agent banking, a financial institution can hire an individual or a retailer to provide financial services to the community on their behalf. So you have uh, a grocery retailer, right? She gets cash from selling her foodstuff to her customers, and she can play the role of a human ATM, if you will, connecting to the branch online and able to dispense cash to her customers and other financial services. And unlike bank branches and ATMs, you can deploy an agent within about a day. So you can literally start the day with the community without financial access, and at the end of the day with an agent provide financial access to that community. We know agent banking works. And in fact, in Nigeria, we estimate that over this past three years, we've deployed about 850,000 of these agents. But the problem persists. After all of this work, the problem persists. In, Ni- in Nigeria, we still, we still estimate that o- uh, only about, I mean, less than 50%, in fact, of adults still have access despite all of this work, and this has persisted for over a decade. So a few colleagues and I decided to investigate this, to try to understand why is it that after all this work, we're still struggling with this. And so we teamed up with nonprofit organizations and for-profit organizations to understand, after hundreds of thousands of agents, why does this problem persist? And we discovered two important problems. One is, we, in fact, are not deploying these agents into the right places. The rural parts and northern parts of Nigeria most desperately needed these agents, but the deployment tended to be in the urban south. And when we deployed them, we tended to also deploy overlapping agents. What does that mean? Think of this as you are trying to, you know, you, you deploy 50 ATM, ATMs in a, in, a, in, a, in a New York City block. What's the point of that? In fact, if you had used data analytics, perhaps we would have done this properly. The second problem we observed was that agents, in fact, were not staying around for the long haul. So you place this agent, but the average agent only remained operational for about three months. Between the startup costs and the recurring costs required to sustain the business, they needed a high volume of transactions, of, of, of business, to be able to remain profitable and remain in business. But they didn't really know how to do that. So we're working hard, but we're not placing them correctly, and they're not profitable, so we're not moving the needle at all. So with this understanding of the problem, we wanted to design profitable or viable agent banking business. And to do this, we did a compare and contrast between agents that remained around for the long haul versus those that only left after a short period to understand the differences between them. We also literally went across the country to understand the differences of how agents worked across the country and understand how money moved in the respective communities. And with this understanding, we built our profitable agent banking model. So what are those things? What are the key elements to ensure that an agent is viable and remains around for the long long haul? One is you need to make sure that you have about 500 adults. You need about 500 adults in the community to support one of these agents. So when you are deploying overlapping agents, that can be counterproductive. Another thing is, even though these agents, in fact, are 
leveraging the internet, connecting to the financial institutions online, they still needed access to cash for the community. Cash was still very important. And then agent banking is not a full-time business. It's a side hustle. So you can be a bartender, you can be a grocery retailer, you could be a hairdresser, anything really, and offer agent banking as an add-on to make that viable. So we felt good that we understood how to design it. So now we wanted to estimate how many of these agents can we put across the country to ensure that every Nigeria has access to financial services, universal access. To do this, it's not a simple task. It involves a lot of data. So we built uh, an analytic engine called Geofin to do this. With Geofin, you can look across Nigeria, any part of the country, and zoom in to understand the current level of financial access, as well as how many of these agents that we talk about you, can de- you need to deploy to get to universal coverage. So if you look down south in Nigeria in a place called Bayelsa, in Bayelsa, we have high level of financial access. About 85% of adults in Bayelsa have access to financial services. And so you would only need to deploy about 2,000 more agents to get to universal coverage. Up north in Yobe, though, in the northeast of Nigeria, you find that about 25%, only about 25% of adults actually have access to financial services. And so there you need upwards of 8,000 agents to get to universal coverage. Quite a beautiful tool that allows us to sort of understand and try to solve the problem in a very nuanced way. So all of this was research and analytics. What did we find? What was the real impact of all of this? So you remember I said in Nigeria so far, we've deployed about 850,000 agents. Well, this approach, with this approach, we discovered that we only really need about 275,000 more agents to get to universal coverage. Now, the bulk of these agents will not be profitable. In fact, about 90% of them are not profitable. But that's okay. The work they are doing is still quite important. And so we, can subs- we, we need to support them with subsidies and grants to ensure that they can stay around and support their community. However, about 27,000 of these agents will be profitable. We think of them as the high-impact agent. And what do they do? These agents will move the needle significantly. So in Nigeria today, we estimate that only about 45% of adults have access to financial services. These 27,000 roughly agents will move the needle from about 45% today to 80%. And given how fast you can deploy them, we estimate that this will occur within 24 months or less. This is the power of including the profit motive in development work that we can move the needle so fast for a problem that has remained intractable for so long. Now, financial access is not the only challenge we have. What if we took the same mindset to energy access, where instead of just deploying solar in rural areas alone, we could think about helping entrepreneurs to build viable urban solar businesses? Or we can also deploy this approach to Education access, where instead of just deploying schools widely, we work with local community entrepreneurs to build community schools that are profitable and viable for a long period of time. I believe that when we combine this non-profit and for-profit approaches, when we include the profit motive in the development work that we do, we can go fast and far together 
to address these development challenges and change the world for the better. Thank you. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Support for TED Business comes from Odoo. What's Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all in one easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedbusiness. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash tedbusiness. I can't tell you how much I agree with Tolu. Today, there are many nonprofit and for-profit avenues that allow certain countries to have access to opportunities and thrive in areas they wouldn't have years ago. Technology has changed the game, particularly financial technology, also known as fintech. Fintech has been expanding in Africa in a lot of the same places Tolu was talking about. And while these are private, for-profit endeavors, a lot of these businesses have had an impact beyond that. Have you heard of M-Pesa? Well, this company operates mostly in eastern and southern Africa and allows users to send and receive money, pay bills, and purchase goods and services using their mobile phones. Given the high rates of mobile phone use across the continent, including in rural areas where traditional banking services may be limited, Services like M-Pesa make it easier for people to engage in commerce and participate in the economy. Another company making an impact is Momo. This service is similar to Zelle, Venmo, or Cash App and allows customers to make payments using their cell phone number and PIN code, which is linked to their bank account. Momo is used in person at many businesses at a moment's notice. Look. I've been to Africa many times in my 40-something years of life, and to be shopping in the market without any local currency is very convenient. And then, of course, there's blockchain, which is basically a digital wallet that is used to record transactions across many computers. Yes, it's cryptocurrency, and it's being used in sub-Saharan Africa to increase transparency and security in financial transactions. Overall, services like these are game changers, and they help drive economic growth by making it easier to reduce fraud, increasing trust in financial systems, and having more people participating in the formal economy. What this tells us 
is that some of the for-profit approaches that created these companies have helped completely transform the economic landscape in several developing countries. Is there a for-profit approach that you're engaging in in your company that has the potential to do the same? A little food for thought. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Brittany Brown, edited by Alejandra Salazar, and fact-checked by Julia Dickerson. Special thanks to Michelle Quint, Corey Hajim, and Colin Helms. I'm Madhupa Akinola. Talk to you again next week.